Let us pray. God, we thank you once again for this opportunity to freely gather here and to worship you. For the way in which you speak to each of us, the way in which you speak to your church. God, continue to help us open our hearts and minds and lives for that which you have for us each day, for this day, as we examine your scriptures. May we be open to what you have for us. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue on our series kind of moving through Galatians last week and chapter 1 talked about the one gospel message of grace. And here we are in chapter 2. Hopefully you've had the time to perhaps read the passage for today or even the whole chapter as we continue through Galatians. There is so much here. And it's ironic, and although not quite intentionally planned, that as we gather here on this Reformation Sunday, as we celebrate the reform and the reformation of the church, that we find ourselves in this passage in Galatians. This emphasis in Galatians chapter 2 that looks at the issue of the law and works as opposed to faith and grace as we think about the Reformation and Luther's challenge to the church and its distortion of the gospel message and its failure to look to the scripture and seek to help people to find salvation and works and in finances and by other means, this passage is certainly very appropriate for this day. It's a meaty passage. There is so much here. But as I said last week, Paul is trying to address several issues in Galatia, as well as write a reminder of the general gospel message to them and to us as well, wrestling with some of the confusion that's happening from the Judaizers, those who are kind of challenging and questioning the gospel of grace and saying it is about religious observance, the keeping of the law. And for those who are challenging the gospel message of grace and saying, well, now you're free, you're saved, you're justified, do whatever you please. And so Paul kind of addresses these issues and these individuals in here. But in the beginning, we see an issue that he is addressing here in verse 14. The problem was that the way that these folks who were living, the ones who had heard the gospel message of Jesus, was not at all consistent with the gospel. There was a problem here with compromising. They were compromising the gospel message. The problem is here and perhaps has continued, that the gospel message of grace, that a relationship with Jesus Christ had not changed them, had not transformed them. But we need the constant reminder that we as a people and we as a church have been reformed, but always need more reforming. In Galatia, here and in this moment, these people had not really been changed or transformed by the gospel message. And unfortunately, I don't think this problem is isolated to this one season and this one pace in Galatia. Because so often in our lives, we hear the gospel message of Jesus, whether for the first time or over and over again, and it doesn't necessarily change anything for us. We continue on as these folks had, living as they had and living as we had before we encountered Jesus. That it's life as usual with a little Jesus sprinkled on. That it's life as usual with a little religious participation. And Paul reminds us that that is not the gospel message. That the gospel message is meant to transform us, is meant to change us. 
And so it's important that we consider this challenge. It's important that we understand that things should in fact be different because we've encountered Christ. That the gospel message of grace is so radical and so powerful that it can't help if we really, really grab a hold of it, but to change us. And so Paul's frustration begins there. But of course, the issue here is so much about obeying the law and works. But no amount of obedience to the law can make us right with God. Only grace can. We cannot perform or earn God's favor. God is not an angry parent looking down on us, waiting for us to slip up, waiting for us to make a mistake. That's not the gospel message of grace. And it's the challenge, one of the challenges that's happening here. Because folks did not understand, did not see the gospel message of grace. You see, we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, as Paul reminds us in Romans. And it's certainly not those who think they are righteous that need to hear the gospel message, but it's those who recognize that they're sinners. And so oftentimes, we think we can perform our way, we can earn God's favor, we can perform our way to being seen as good in the sight of God. And there are two temptations in this. There is the temptation to rigidly obey and perfect the law. The law in here, the law in the Old Testament, the law around us, the law in the church, wherever that law might come from, there is that temptation that, that it's by that perfect obedience that we please God. The problem is we can't do it. Paul himself tried and it didn't work out for him. And then the other temptation is perhaps to achieve or to perform our way to God's favor. To look at all of the good things we do, our, our church participation, our giving, the way that we serve others, the way that we behave, our attitudes. And to look at that, usually in comparison to somebody else, and think and see and believe that we have performed and earned the favor of God. All this, temptations we face, but contrary to this gospel message of grace. Verse 16, and I want you to look at verse 16 with me. Verse 16, I'm going to read it again. This is really the, kind of the central verse, one of the central verses of this passage of this chapter. Know that, a, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put on our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. That's a mouthful, that verse. I mean, it kind of repeats itself a couple times. In fact, three times in here we see this phrase, faith in Jesus. We see that three times in there. It's an important message worth bearing repetition for us. There's a reason, but it's not just the preacher in Paul that gets repetitive here. There's a reason. We need to hear this message over and over again. This message that's not for those that think that they have it together, but for those that know that they do not. 
You see, Paul knows, Paul reminds us that the, that the beauty of the law is that it shows us our need for Jesus Christ. It's the law that shows us our need for grace. It's the law that shows us that we cannot do it on our own. This was an important theme for Luther as well. And so we have this message in verse 16. We cannot be justified by the law. We cannot be justified by our perfect or imperfect obedience. We cannot be justified by our achievements. It says here, that only happens by faith in Jesus Christ. Saved by faith alone. Saved by grace alone through faith alone. And this word faith is, we remember, hopefully if you don't remember, you're going to hear it over and over and over and over again. This word faith literally means to trust. And so I thought about this and I looked at the passage again and, you know, what if I were to think of it this way? Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by trusting in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our trust in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by trusting in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. It's all about faith and trust. It's about the grace of God. It's not about our works. And we know that. This is the very thing that, that you know, we... Our, our, very, our very tradition is founded on a rebellion against that thinking. Yet so often in our lives, the way that we act, the way that we talk, kind of sounds like we really believe that it's about the works. You know, we'll say or do something and instantly we'll think, I hope that I don't get struck by lightning. And we carry this kind of works attitude into our daily living. But that's not the gospel message of grace. You see, growing up in the church, coming to church, being a Lutheran, growing up Lutheran, none of that stuff does not make us a Christian. That stuff alone. I hate to break it to you. It's the grace of God and our faith in Jesus Christ. It's our desire, our willingness, and our continual decision to follow Jesus Christ. Grace is a gift, but it's a gift that we Choose whether or not we want to accept it. And that's not a one-time decision. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a daily decision. It's a moment-by-moment -moment decision. And so much easier sometimes, it's easier to kind of gravitate to the works of the law. But it's not about that. It's about faith. It's about trusting in Jesus Christ. It's about recognizing the need for the grace of God. It's believing that that grace is real and that grace is true. That the more personal grace becomes, the less personal everything else feels and is. This is a message I have to preach to myself quite frequently. It's about the grace of God. It's about not right belief, not right behavior. Those things do, in fact, matter. God cares about those things, and those things certainly are important, but those are not the things that justify us, that save us, that transform us, that bring us the reform that we need. It's about right relationship, right relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the law says, the law here in this country, says that I thought about this passage in light of being a dad, and light of Micah and Abby. The law says that I am Micah and Abby's father. 
What we know and believe historically and culturally, even in Scripture, tells me that I am Micah and Abby's father. All true. But that's not what really makes me their father. It's our relationship that does that. It's our relationship. It's not all that other stuff. Not pieces of paper, not birth certificates, not forms I fill out for school, not boxes I check on my taxes. It's our relationship. And this is so true with us and Jesus Christ. It's not the technicalities, it's our relationship. It's that trusting relationship. It's that faith in Jesus Christ. And so I love this in verse 16. Three times it reminds us. It's about our faith. It's about our willingness to trust in God's grace that justifies us, not our actions, even though they do matter. And verse, Paul goes on in verse 17 and 18, and here he talks about the law, and if it's grace, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Hey, it's grace. He's answering these folks over here who are saying, hey, you know, God loves you. All you got to do is have faith. You can do whatever you want. He's saying, no, that's not it. It's this, this law helps me to understand that I need Jesus Christ. Luther said, can we be justified by the law? No, we can't be justified by the law. But the law does matter. It shows us our need for Christ. It gives us guidelines. It gives us a framework. This gift of grace is not a free pass to do whatever we want, nor is it kind of a guilt trip to be perfect. You see, what happens is we try so hard because trying is so much easier than trusting. Trying is so much easier than trusting. Trying to be perfect, fulfilling the law, doing these things, being a good Christian, showing up to church, doing all these things. That's all stuff that we can do. We like things we can do. It's stuff we can measure. We love measure. It's stuff that we can control. Some of us love control. But you see, that's much easier than trusting God. That's so much easier, I think. I fall because of that last control thing, maybe. It's so much easier than trusting God. And maybe that's why we fall into that pattern, but that's not the gospel message of grace that we're called to. And Paul points out this again. I probably should have read it because it's so much shorter than what I just said. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for Christ. Paul, in verse 20, uses a phrase that's important to him, important to us too. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Crucified, in, crucified with Christ. That doesn't mean literally that each of us, and that Paul was literally thinking about being crucified with Christ, although imagining ourselves in the position of the two folks on the other side of Jesus doesn't hurt us that much, I'll be honest. But you see, what Paul's talking about here is what Jesus talked about in Luke 9, death to self. That to be crucified with Christ means that we let go of self, that we die to self, and instead go to Christ, trust in Christ. In Colossians 3, Paul puts it on this way, that we clothe ourselves with Christ. That we remove and get rid of the stuff that is of us and replace it with Jesus. 
This is what Paul is talking about when he says crucified with Christ, that we let go of ourselves, let go of whichever way or trap we're falling into as the Galatians did, and instead embrace Christ, embrace faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is after here. And again, I think it's much easier to do the law than to trust Jesus. And we'll continue to get into this, especially as we get closer to Galatians 5. But Paul, but Luther said an interesting thing about this. He said, you know, if, if the law could justify us, then Christ died for nothing. If the law can justify us, then, then Christ's death is inconsequential. It's, it's, it's not necessary. And actually, Paul says this. Verse 21, his summary. I do not set aside the grace of God, for his righteousness could be gained through the law. Christ died for nothing. I'll be the first to confess that grace is hard to accept. Easy, easier to give than to accept, at least for me. Very hard to accept. It's not fair. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem just. Is that one contemporary... Christian song put about this a great statement on grace. We don't get what we deserve, and that's a real good thing. And we get what we don't deserve, and that's also a real good thing. That that's the message of grace. Yet, embracing grace is a very big deal. It is significant. It's important. It really matters. Because, let's just be honest. Our failure to realize, to embrace, and to accept grace is really just a waste of what Jesus did on the cross. That's, that's, that's essentially, as hard as that is to think about, that's, that's essentially what Paul is saying here. That's what it is. This really matters. That Jesus didn't die for Easter services and for a good celebration, but also that we might experience and accept and embrace and live out in grace. Let go of our stuff, let go of ourselves, and put our faith and trust not in what we can control and not in what we can do, but in the grace, love, and mercy of Jesus Christ. You see, we are a church who has been reformed. We are a people who've been reformed by the gospel message of grace. This book is not just a book. It's meant to change our lives. This gospel message is not just a really good story. It's meant to transform us, to reform us as individuals, as family, and as a church. What have we put our faith and trust in? Our own energy, our own performance, our own observance of the law? Or have we put it in the grace Jesus Christ? That's the question for us. And as a people and as a church, universally, desperately need, desperately in need of reform, it's not going to happen by our own efforts. We're not going to change on our own. It's but by the grace of God, by trusting in Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater, but it sure isn't easy. Where are we putting our faith and trust in? Are we embracing this gospel message of grace? Or are we too getting confused by these same messages the people in Galatia got confused by, compromising the gospel in our own lives?
You see, this is meant to change us. And I've yet to meet a single person in all my life that didn't want some sort of reform, some sort of reformation, a transformation in their life. And it's possible in Christ, but only through Christ, only by the grace of God. Let us pray. God, thank you for your word, for the gospel message that is so much about us and is not about us at all at the same time. Lord, help us to embrace your love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness for us, to accept your grace, to be thankful, to look to you for the transformation and the reformation that we need in our lives, in our homes, in our church here, in our community, in the church at large, and in the world. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.